Kill Toe. Welcome back. You know what it is. Another episode of Key to the City Podcast. And uh, I appreciate everybody still rocking with the kid. Uh, We're going to get through 2021, y'all. Don't worry about it. And uh, I appreciate everybody that, that perseverance and just pushing through all of us going through something. So that's why I try to keep hitting y'all with a good episode every week to keep you inspired, keep you motivated. We dig that. And uh, this episode is no different. One that I'm personally looking forward to. Uh, this young lady here is a queen of all trades. Everything she's currently doing is kind of like the path and footsteps I want to walk in. So not only is this interview for you, uh, but it's for me as well. But she's an author, a writer, a multimedia journalist. She's a professor of multimedia journalism at the Jackson State University. And I know y'all been hearing a lot about that. What up, Prime? And uh, founder of FG Media Productions, former producer with Mississippi Public Broadcasting, filmmaker, uh, with nationally recognized projects such as uh, Flying the Buttermilk, which is a damn good uh, short film. If you haven't checked it out, uh, it highlights um, the history and perceptions of Black Greek life at the University of Ole Miss, which is almost my alma mater. We'll talk more about that almost, but uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. And uh, she's the co-host of the Family Tree Podcast. Um, it's really nothing she doesn't do. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, without further ado, welcome to the city, Ashley F.G. Norwood. What's going on, Queen? Thank you. That was such a great introduction. Um, it's funny, like like you say, a queen of all trades. I appreciate that. I'm humbled to hear that, you know, because as I wear a lot of hats and I try to be mindful of how many hats I wear because, you know, we can easily overextend ourselves and not have impact and not be good at what we do. Mm. But just listening to you, you know, or anytime someone introduces me and they run through the list of things I do, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. But thank you for that. Doing what you're supposed to be doing and you should be celebrated. And that's my whole agenda with this platform yeah. is climbing through the weeds, seeking out those uh, that are actually putting the work in, which they may or may not be getting recognition for. So get ready to receive your key. Uh, how your day going so far? Today is, is, is going. You know, I don't know if it's if it's the change in the weather or the season or what, but it's starting to feel like, you know, time is moving really fast. Mm-hmm. For people like, I don't know where November has to go, but, you know. <laughs> Try to get out of here. Time is moving. So, you know, today, today is a good day, though. Thank you. What about you? All is well? All is well. Um, it's a little stormy where I'm at, but yeah, it's all good. Um, I'm kind of like when I do this right here, it's kind of like LeBron on the court. I'm focused. I'm in my element, so yeah. I always look forward to this and prepping for it. Yeah, and, uh, definitely ready to speak with you. Uh, I always ask people that's like in media, in journalism, are they naturally people persons? Are they talkers behind the scene? Because when I said I wanted to start a podcast, people were like, what? You? I'm an extrovert, but at the same time, I can sit there in silence for yeah. days. So what started you on your journey? Uh, has it always been a passion of yours? Yeah. You know, um, honestly, like when I just think about, you know, um, my creative experiences, even as a child, I would write scripts for like films or movies uh, and my actors, my actresses, they would be my dolls. And I would create 
settings. My mama would get on me for writing like hospital on the wall. But like this is the hospital. So this is where the Barbie car pulls up if an accident or whatever. Um, but I remember, you know, as early as, you know, um, being, you know, a preteen doing things like that or. Even earlier than that, lining up, because I come from a family full of educators, lining up my teddy bears. And I have one of my mom's uh, books from school and I'm teaching my teddy bears, but really teaching myself, you know, how to write math and all these things. So, you know, when I look at my childhood, I dabbled in a lot of the things that I do today. So Mm. that lets me know that it's something that's been brewing for some time and you know just in the experience is what has gotten me to you know the point that I'm at but I'm a lifelong learner so I know you know that I'm going to continue um, to grow and develop in these different fields but in terms of you know journalism um, went to Jackson State undergrad and I majored in English um, I had a concentration in journalism mm-hmm. in English because really when I got to college I didn't know where I wanted to go for real, mm-hmm. but I chose my major based off of, you know, what I liked in high school and I enjoy English. I was really good at writing and I enjoy reading and storytelling, but then I wanted to dabble in a different form of storytelling. And that's mm-hmm. where I started to concentrate in journalism. So working in journalism here, um, it was a very short period because it was, it was a concentration. I didn't major in it. So when I, I kind of felt a little insecure, like, like I really wasn't ready to just go into the world of journalism and media because at that point I decided that was the direction I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, I love learning, so I decided to go back to school. That's when I went to Ole Miss, um, and within that two-year program is also when I produced the Fly in the Buttermilk, the short documentary film that you mentioned earlier. Um, and you know, just from there, I just I, I skyrocketed into you know film, television production writing. Um, and so since then, you know, I've been able to dabble in radio or TV and film and print. Um, and more recently, I've, I've become full time as an educator, but teaching mm-hmm. things, you know. So, I mean, I've been an adjunct for some years now, and it's good to be in the field and teaching students, especially students at our HBCUs. You know, um, it's, it's hard out here for a lot of our, our black institutions and students that attend these institutions. You know, there's this idea that if you go to an HBCU or you graduate from HBCU, your education doesn't amount to anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I always took it upon myself, even when I started out as an adjunct right after I graduated from Ole Miss, to make sure I'm giving them the most, you know, up to date information, transferable skills, because if, if, if I see you in my class, I'm going to do all I can to make sure that you're quote unquote ready, you know, mm-hmm. to face. And it's so important. Um so, you know, I, I walked into this field through just, I guess, just natural, natural curiosity and, mm-hmm. and then left. Um, podcasting is something new, you know, so I'm, I'm still, like I say, I'm, I'm a lifetime learner. So I still want to learn things. There are things that I still want to do in life. Um, but I do truly believe that I am where I'm supposed to be. And that's a good feeling because a mm-hmm. lot of us question that and are burdened by that thought. But finding out, you know, what it is you want to do and where you want to be and embracing in that moment and continue to challenge yourself, it's been gratifying for me. Oh, man, I feel like you've been peeking through my life's window because everything you said, like, well, I'm one of those. I struggle with identifying what I want to do for like 30 years. And it's only been over the recent few years I've kind of stepped into 
kind of what I've been doing naturally. Things that come natural to me, right. and I feel like it's a gift as far as being a people person and being able to make people feel comfortable and speaking and have various opinions on different topics. Uh, so it seems like it's kind of coming full circle now, but I can definitely tell from your story that everything you dabbled in in your childhood has really come full circle. And I can honestly say from the outside looking in, it definitely seems like you're on the right path doing your thing. And I strive to be there, so that's very motivating. And uh, I applaud you on that. Uh, your experience at Ole Miss, I want to know a little bit about that because I played Phi Beta Sigma at the University of Mississippi back in 04. Woo, 17 years. Okay. Uh, Season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm celebrating 10 years um, since I played AKA in the in uh, February. Mm-hmm. So 17, yeah, buddy. That's all right. Go ahead. Okay. But I was just, when I was coming up, my whole family was against Ole Miss. And, of course, yeah. all of the uh, negative history that's been associated with it. I was one of those kids that came out of school kind of like without a plan. Um, so my best friend was going to Ole Miss, and I was like, hell with it. I might as well just follow him there. But I can honestly say I had a great experience there. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I felt like I would have thrived at an HBCU as well. But I also had to deal with – the backlash from people back home or family, like, why are you going to Ole Miss? They racist. Are you going up there with all the white folks? Oh. So I just want to know what your experience was like if you had to deal with any of that uh, from family, friends, or anything like that. That is so funny. Okay, yes. All <laughs> um, story short, I remember, um, you know, like applying for schools. A lot of schools I was applying to, they were predominantly white institutions, but uh, my pickings came from just research and trying to find like some of the top journalists or, or journalism, excuse me, programs. Um, and they were mainly PWIs, right? Mm-hmm. So um, applied to one school in Georgia. I really wanted to go to that school because I wanted to get close to Atlanta. I feel like, you know, Atlanta was the place for me. You know, it's the place for the industry. I need to get here. Um, but they they denied my application. Mm-hmm. And then um, I hadn't heard back from, I only applied to two because I, I waited, I, I decided late. But then um, didn't hear back from Ole Miss since the week of graduation. I'm like, forget, I'm going to call them. Let me, just, let me just follow up and see what's the status of my application. They say, yeah, you've been accepted. Um, not only are you accepted, but they're going to pay you because you're black. Oh, perfect. You mm-hmm. know, thinking mm-hmm. about what's the best financial decision because undergrad I didn't pay for because of scholarship. So, you know, who, who wants to have hella loan debt. Right. right. So, um, so I just said, okay, well, I'm gonna go for it. You know, it's not far from home, but it's far enough to get me out of my comfort zone, you know, being born and raised in West Jackson, you know, going to school in West Jackson, um, from Jim Hill to Jackson state, you know, like this is my, my little getaway. Right. Um, when I told my parents about it, like for real, that I was really going, yeah, it was a lot of jokes. It was, it was a lot of jokes. Um, brother being one, it's like, all right, man, they're going to hang you up there. Like, he would just say, wow. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, you know, and I was just, I got to the point where I kind of started to tune it out because it started to kind of play my emotion a little bit because I started mm-hmm. to second guess, like, dang, like. Am I am I making a mistake? You know, even though I know I know this is you know, all jokes and giggles, but I feel like y'all are also a bit concerned. And so you're expressing 
burn through, you know, through humor, but you really, you really want me to be good. And I do too. So let me not be naive, you know, and think that I'm going to this place and it, and it, and it is going to be comfortable. Let me not be naive enough to think that, you know, I'm going to this place and it, it will be welcoming, you know? So I remember the summer before I left, then it was president Dan Jones and he had like this, this, uh, front page spread on the clearing and to just talk about all the things that he wants to do at the university, how he wants to make it more inclusive. I believe this was right after um, the students had the noose around James Meredith's statue. Mm-hmm. You know? So all of this is happening. Um, and, and, I, and I was kind of second guessing, but um, I went for it because I, I just wanted to, to take the challenge, take the risk, you know, and I felt like I wanted to, like I said, get out of my comfort zone, like going to an HBCU first, um, allow me to really embrace in my culture and just, and just know me and my people. And then going to Ole Miss after that experience, um, I was, I, it, everything I knew about myself and my culture was challenged. And I think that's important. I think that, you know, when you think about the largest predominantly white institution, it's not even all Miss. It's America, right? So if we're going to like navigate through this system and, and through these places and spaces, we have to know how to defend who we are and who our people are. We have to defend our culture. So I'm glad that I, you know, my education was HBCU first, Ole Miss after, mm-hmm. but Definitely. When I got there, I yes, I had I had experiences with people, non-black people, black people too. You know, mm-hmm. who see things differently, understand this world different from me. Um, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I yeah. didn't that decision. I, it was so it was so needed. And my dad even told me that once, and I was so proud to hear him say that he was like, you know, when you went to Ole Miss, like you changed, like you 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 became woke if you will like I had no choice you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so it was it was a good experience overall I made some of my best friends there because you think about it yeah the film is the fly in the buttermilk but how many times did we feel like the fly in the buttermilk whether that was you know physically you know you're in this Mm -hmm. space with just a few black people or if it's you know just by your diversity of thought or your diversity of experience always feeling like you know this minority um it, it forced us to develop these relationships where we're still super tight and like they're all different places across the nation working in different fields. Um, but the experiences we shared at Ole Miss, um, like we, we are, we're, we're, we're so tight since then. And I appreciate that. So I, I got a good education. I made some lifelong friends and I woke up, you know, mm-hmm. woke up at Ole Miss. Learned you can operate in any room. That's so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm interested to know uh, how the film came about, um, Flying the Buttermilk. Um, like I said, I think I learned more um, from the film than I did during my research to actually play Because when I played, I don't think I necessarily did it for the right reasons. I got you. Uh, I didn't do my due diligence. Um, I just joined the organization where most of my partners were. Gotcha. Uh, it turned out to be beneficial for me, but... I just wish that going into it, I had more sense of what I was getting myself into, uh, my responsibility once I became a member, and then also being self-aware prior to going, yeah. just knowing who I am, so I don't yeah. get uh, molded into something I'm not. Uh, but what made you want to shine a light on 
Greek history, Black Greek history at Ole Miss. Because I just, it just took me back to, I just remember Phi Beta Sigma House, AKA House, Delta House. None of that is there anymore. So I'm just like, yeah. What made you want to shine a light on? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because, like, that was just, that was that was a really that whole process. I mean, it started as like a class assignment. Well, one. Hmm. It became a class assignment, but let me start at like what actually happened, you know, yeah. um, and that's so important, like being a storyteller and a journalist. You know, some people say that if you go into journalism, it's like you have homework for the rest of your life. Right. Because you're all mm. like looking up stuff, researching stuff, reporting on stuff. But when we can tell stories like through our experiences, I love that, like having mm-hmm. that creative control. So it was OK. So, you know, I'm new on campus and. Um, it's funny because some of the friends that I mentioned that I made, like some of them went to HBCUs as well. And like just trying to find like black culture or creating like a black space in Oxford on campus was yeah. difficult. I remember sometimes we would get together and watch different world, you know, like like this was our connection back home. Yeah. Um, but then one day after class, um, I'm walking across campus and the closer I get to uh, close I get to the cafeteria, I hear like Boosie set it off. So I'm like, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm right? And so the closer I get, like I start seeing colors that are familiar to me. I start mm-hmm. seeing, uh, you know, Greek alphabets that are familiar to me. And I stumbled upon something that they call Union Unplugged. And so, this yeah. was, um, so it was Union Unplugged. So Union mm-hmm. Unplugged, the, the phrase. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know what I'm talking about then. So Union Unplugged, you know, is this is power hour during lunchtime when basically everybody's out of class and, you know, centered around that part of the campus. Different student organizations will reserve that hour for whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But when the Greeks come out there, the Black Greeks come out there, more than likely there's going to be a DJ, a student DJ, and, you know, they're stepping, rolling, um, you know, just 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 fraternizing with one another, raising awareness about, you know, if they have some kind of events going on, all these things. Right. right. And so it started to look like or not look like because it definitely was not like, you know, what we do at Jackson State in terms of like our hot spot. But um, it, it was something that reminded me of that. So I felt like I was in a safe space. Mm-hmm. I walked into, um, you know, I got closer, didn't know a lot of these people because, you know, I'm new here. They've probably been here for years. Um, but I'm standing around uh, some white girls because, of course, you have, again, Lionel Buttermilk. You have all the black Greeks here, stepping, strolling, whoop de whoop. Then you have white people just surrounding them, right? Just mm-hmm. watching. It's kind of like, I know one guy in my film said at one moment he felt like a spectacle. Like, you're you're really just here to watch me for entertainment. Mm. And I started to hear, overhear a conversation between two young white students, young white females, basically expressing that sentiment. Like, like we're here, you know, like this is this is crazy. Like this is wild. Like what are they doing? It, it was just so such a such a disregard for you know what was taking place. I understand if you don't understand it or you know if you're ignorant to the fact, but it kind of felt like they they felt entitled to that space, and that bothered mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so then I just started asking questions around, you know, and I started doing research to see, like, has the story ever been told about, you know, the history, the perception and the culture of black Greek organizations on campus? And it hadn't been. There was one documentary I found. It was on uh, it was on the History Channel. It was called Frat Boys. Mm-hmm. Clearly, frat boys, there was not a documentary about us or for us. They had the signals on there for a brief moment. And this is when the signals did have uh, their house on fraternity road. And a lot of people don't even know the signals at Ole Miss. That was the first free organization to integrate, you know, a fraternity road at a white school in, in the nation. You know, like this happened at Ole Miss. Um, and so, you know, when I saw the documentary and they had just really, it was really just about representation to make sure that they had us in the film. It was so quick, one and done. And the rest of it was about white Greeks. And at that moment, I said, OK, well, the story has been told. I'm going to tell it. I started doing my research, um, started having conversations, got plugged in with a lot of people, you know, that the new people during the time when organizations were chartered in the 70s, what was happening. I did my archival research. I really enjoyed the process. This was my first yeah. time creating, um, you know, what started off as a written assignment. And then my professor encouraged me to take it, take it further than that. And that's when I did. And that's why I like having mentors, having people, and I hope to be a faculty member like that, where I can encourage my students to go further, to push them, you know, to Mm -hmm. do something that they haven't done, especially when I see, you know, their optimism and their potential. And when he did that, I, I created the documentary and after, you know, the documentary was for my thesis. So, of course, I'm like, well, I'm trying to pass. And I did. Right. But um, after that, it's like, OK, so what you going to do now? Like, keep going. Don't stop. And at that point, I started submitting the film to film festivals. I got accepted into different academic conferences. So here's this, this young girl from West Jackson that did not know what she even wanted to major in in college. Now is in Hawaii and Brooklyn with a film, with a short film. Like, who would have thought? So, um, you know, the Find the Buttermilk, it, it taught me a lot. It definitely taught me a lot, you know, as as someone that's Greek as well. Um, but seeing it, seeing this culture and understanding the history at a predominantly white institution is so different. You know, mm-hmm. it's completely different. Their challenges are completely different. And I resonate with that. And it interested me because I didn't have that experience. You know, I crossed it at HBCU. So no one's standing around here, you know, questioning, you know, um, you know, maybe you don't understand exactly everything, but you know something, you know, but people have have some understanding of it. But but yeah, I don't want to ramble. But no, you know, that um, that was that was the beginning of the fire and the buttermilk. And I'll tell you this, I you know, even since then, again, like keep going. I keep telling myself and my mentor, they keep they keep encouraging me to keep going. And so I've been inspired to create um, a series of short films, kind mm. of not just on that experience in particular, but when I think about the fly and the buttermilk, just other minority experiences. And so um, with some grant funding I got last year and with some funding that I'm working on getting now, hopefully I have another project next year in 22. So the fly and the buttermilk will live and we will continue to tell these stories about, you know, minority experiences. And it's amazing what your work does once you put it out there. You just let it go. It kind of takes on a life of itself. Yeah. And you never know where it takes you. That's an amazing story. How was it received on campus, like from your peers? On campus. Um, and, you know, just 
more advice from my mentors. Like, you know, so we're going to show this, of course, to my thesis panel. And I've got just all white (laughs) members, you know, and they're just intrigued because it's like, wow, you know, they didn't even think about this stuff. Um, After I presented my thesis, like literally the next day, I rented an auditorium on campus for two days and I had two premieres on campus. And so I'm out here campaigning. I'm going to the, I'm, I'm up and down fraternity sorority role. I'm in the dorms passing out flyers like, hey, y'all come to this free premiere, yada, yada, yada. And it was packed. It was full both night, um, white, black teachers, students, community people, people in the film, people interested in the Greek. I mean, you name it, they were there. And not only did we premiere, but I was very intentional about reserving um, some time after we watched the film for conversation. Because at this moment, now I'm talking about effect and change. Okay, it's one thing to create a film or, you know, to produce work, but to have community conversations about the issue so that, you know, that we can see the change that we hope our products will deliver. um, That was really, really good for me. And there were conversations had that probably wouldn't otherwise happen or um, relationships built from there. I know um, some professors, even on a graduate level, like they, they, they began to use the film in their courses. Like if they're teaching Mm -hmm. um, students who may be, you know, going to school for higher ed administration, like, now we're going to start talking about Greek organizations, but not just Greek organizations, but what makes black students feel at home in white spaces so that, you know, you know, as an administrator or as a faculty or a staff at a university, how to, um, you know, how, how to talk to them, you know, how to understand, you know, what's important to them. Just because it's not your experience doesn't mean it's not important to these students and their college experience. So like hearing that is it's a part of the university now. It's uh, I know at the it's a part of freshman orientation, so that now when students come uh, where they even see Union Unplugged, they're gonna see the film, so they'll know, so they won't make certain remarks, you know, yeah. or the fact like you know that these organizations exist and, and this is a part of their culture. So it was it was received really well um, on campus, and to this day, people refer to me as the flying buttermilk. You know, <laughs> you definitely made your mark. Um, and the last question, I guess, surrounding that is, do you think uh, Black Greek residences will uh, make a resurgence on campus? We'll get another Haitian organization been discussing it uh, or anything like that? When you say on campus, you mean at, um, like Ole Miss, predominantly white campuses? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Okay. Um, so let me tell you what they've done. Um there is a space for all Greek organizations, all Black Greek organizations. It's kind of, mm-hmm. um, what are they? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't really remember the name of like what you call this, but it's outside and it's kind of down the hill a little bit. So some people were a little, I don't know, felt a little slighted by that. Like, you know, you, you're going to give us this garden. I think it's a garden. Um, and they have like plaques for each organization. And then it's, it may be a little blurb about the chartering, you know, when it was chartered um, at the university. But it's, it's benches out there. And this is where I know some of the Greeks have events. This is where they gather. Um, they take pictures, what have you. Um, 
they did that. And I don't know if by doing that, it was too, because I believe it was actually a part of um, Dan Jones' plan to create that. So I'm happy that it happened. Mm-hmm. But I also hear Greeks when they say that's not enough. Um, but houses, you know, you think about it like to, to, to get a house on a fraternity or sorority row and to maintain a house and to keep that house. Um, it's, it's different. One thing about our organizations, um, you know, like, like at Ole Miss, when I compared it to, you've got hundreds of folks in some of these sororities and fraternities. And you think about a group like our IOTAs, you know, they're naturally smaller, you know, or SGROs, you know, like AKAs, a lot of people look at AKAs and Deltas, you know, bringing out. Uh, more pledges, but you know, you think about our smaller organizations. You know, you think about how many people, um, you know, that they normally get, and that's money. You know, so they don't have a lot of funds yes. through their membership to be able to get a house, maintain a house, you know, and do all these things that it requires. And honestly, on this for a point, I'm not sure if this is still the case. They they did have in their um, department of you know like. Greek life, they did have a statute where you had to have so many members in order for an organization to be active. And I mm. thought that was problematic as well, because again, like this, this is, we're not, you know, we're not the white Greeks where they have this large membership. And to say that if you have three iotas on campus, they can't be active. That's, that's just, not, you know, that, that disregards just the culture of our of our Greek system in general anyway. You know, like these are the things that I wanted to make sure we talked about in our um, conversations post the, the film, because, you know, people who don't know, they just don't know. Right. And, or as long as we know, and as long as we can create, you know, we need to have these conversations to try to, you know, uh, I mean, just it, that, that to me was just ridiculous. But, yeah. Um, Hopefully, that answers your question. But yeah. Yeah, that's on point. Key to the City podcast. We got the Queen Ashley F.G. Norwood in here with us. Um, just a couple more questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're part of a National Association of Black Journalists, right? Right. Um, would you say that your entire, that's how I want to put it, your entire approach to media? And journalism is specifically to highlight uh, issues, events, engagements within our community? Or are you open to a more broader aspect of it? Or would you just like to specifically focus on things that affect us? Yeah. Um, as a reporter for a while, um, I remember... You know, just being being a general assignment reporter before I actually created a name for myself. Like I was I was always writing about everybody and everything. But any opportunity I had to pitch something, it was always um, a story that talked about the issues that disproportionately affect black families um, and what does that impact look like? What does the impact look like in Mississippi? So that's kind of always been my thing, whether it's health, education, the criminal justice system, um, you name it. Um, and so that's kind of what, what I market myself after. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in my classes, 
you know, at Jackson State and, and working with students who, who want to become writers, who who are writers. Um, but, you know, they, they have these goals. Uh, we use the phrase, you know, our stories to tell, you know, tell our stories like that. That's so golden because you think about even in the industry now, a lot of these large newspapers, I mean, they're, they're laying people off left and right, right? And so you have smaller pool of people telling stories and you definitely have a smaller pool of us telling our stories. So for as long as we have a voice and as long as we uh, can build a platform, whether that's on social media, whether it's through our own blogs or, you know, whatever our outreach may be, um, it's so important that we tell our stories, you know, we're not, and then we're not pimping our stories or our people, you know, Mm -hmm. Times we feel like if we're going to tell this story, we have to talk to a black person, you know, know, as if black women are the only ones. This is just an example. Black women, young black women growing up in poverty are the only ones, you know, having children at a young age or dropping out of school, you know, like. So not only is it telling our stories, but also shaping the narrative about, you know, stigmas and stereotypes as well. So, you know, that's something that I try to be cautious of, too. Um, but but yeah, I, I definitely have a passion for, you know, disseminating information to our people. And that's what I try to do with my work. Is there a specific creative aspect you enjoy the most? Writing, filmmaking? Yeah. Um, I like a little bit of everything, honestly. Yeah. But filming is, 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 is what I'm getting back to. Um, mm-hmm. I was working, you know, like in Mississippi Public Broadcasting and just being a reporter day to day like that and turning stories around. I didn't have a lot of time to to film or to produce films. And so for uh, for a period of time, I had to shelf like FG Media, like this is my baby. This is something, you know, fresh out of grad school. I was working on short videos, partnering on other documentaries. I was producing films for people. Um, but I had to put it on the shelf because I, I was just too burned out. I couldn't do everything. Um, but since then, I reinstated my business and I've got you know, I've got money. I'm getting grant funding. And, and it's like I'm re-inspired to get back into filming. Mm-hmm. I do not care to shoot or edit anymore. So, yeah. I, you know, like I'm really at the point where I just want to be a part of the creative uh, and content development, whether mm-hmm. there's and discovery or creating the story outline, basically making, you know, making editorial decisions as a director. Right. And, uh, and so that's what I'm, that's what I've been able to do. And I enjoy that uh, much more than I did doing everything, you know, but it's good to know how to do everything. Like the flying and buttermilk, I did everything. You know, I, I pulled in a couple of people to help me here and there. If I was traveling to get an interview somewhere, I had somebody else to get some B-roll here but as far as just producing, shooting, editing, all of that, it was all it was all me. Um, so now yeah. I prefer the creative position. Yeah, yeah. All right. Last two questions. I promise. Um, what's the end game for Ashley F. G. Norwood? When will you be able to look back and say, "This was my intention. This is what I wanted to build." Yeah, that's such a you know. I was about to say it's a scary question because it's just like when you think about your end game, like, like, do you want it to end? You know, like, where does it end? You know, and when does it end? And, you know, I I don't know. I I do know who 
you know, just keeping on the film track, you know, there, there, there are things that I would like to see done in Mississippi Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the film industry and for black storytellers and black stories. Um, I'm really big on partnership. Like dare I not believe I can do everything by myself, you know, so building partnerships so that we can have, you know, more opportunities for people, uh, employment as well and experience as well. Um, but you know, just to create a stronger network in Mississippi is something that I want to be a part of because I, I mean, I had the opportunity to leave. I've had a couple opportunities to leave and some people feel like I should leave, but when you're able to stay home, take care of home, but then the work that you produce allows you to travel beyond home. Like that's what I, you know, if I want to get away, I can, whether it is work or pleasure, but I'm just really, I'm really looking forward to what's happening in Mississippi right now in, yeah. in, in film, in journalism, um, or just in, you know, just in, in black culture. And mm -hmm. it's so many young people, whether, you know, they're, artists or you know musicians like the, it's it's a growing population community and network right now mm -hmm. yeah. i don't want to miss that you know like mm -hmm. i want to be a part of that i want to be able to look back and say yeah I, I was a part of that you know like mm -hmm. i think about my dad you know him being a politician and him being a senator and having a vote on us changing the flag like he can look back if he retires tomorrow he can look back and say years from now that he was a part of this monumental you know, time like he had a vote in a change in history. So for me, it's the same thing, like whether that's through, you know, just education, because I know through education, we can do so many things, um, whether that's through film um, or just what I'm doing on a on a collegiate level. Uh, I just want to be able to look back and just make sure that I had a hand in, in some sense of change for the better. That is so dope. And that's kind of like... Uh... One of the things that's having me reconsider moving back home. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking to some people, so I may have the option to do that uh, in a month or two. But yeah. I, when I first started the podcast, it just seemed like it was like the right time. Kind of like what you said, almost like a cultural media renaissance type thing that's starting to happen. Mm -hmm. and it's, yeah, I definitely want to be a part of that as well. So I'm still back and forth now that it takes a toll on me, but. Yeah. What you just said, just open my eyes to that. Um, last question, I promise. Uh, and I'm interested in this one. Any young student coming out of high school or maybe a current college student that may be considering changing a major or maybe a old guy like myself that's been in a career for a while and looking to make a transition to a career in media, what's some advice you have for us? Some advice. Um, go back to school. Go to school. Just start. You know, just start. Okay. One thing I say is, in terms of like education in this field, a lot of the a lot of the knowing happens in the doing, or you know, like you you gain knowledge mm -hmm. through your experiences. You know, I I love school, so I decided to go back to school, and I honestly use school as a as a crutch initially because I was insecure about just really, you know, am I really ready to to start working? Um, but it, you know, it turned out to be this beautiful thing. So I have no regrets. But, you know, school isn't for everybody. Everybody may not want to go to school. You know, um the timing may not be right. Funds may not be may not be right this fine. But um I think the the biggest tip um for me 
or at least advice that that I've grown to the whole truth is, you know, is is that point in general? Just start. Just start. Like even with the podcast. Um, so like the Family Tree Podcast is one of my latest babies thing mm-hmm. projects, um, adventures, if you will. Uh this is something that I co-host with Kimar Kane. I met Kimar years ago um, at a film festival. My film was uh, one of the films and he was uh, moderating the panel of filmmakers. And ever since then, you know, we just kind of would keep in touch and see what you're working on, what I'm working on, how we can work together um, because we really believe in a lot of the ideas that we had um, and everything that we wanted to do was black specific, you know? So like the Family Tree Podcast is a podcast specific to black familiar experiences you know Mm -hmm. so when he reached out to me about about doing this I ain't gonna lie I was a little hesitant because again like I felt like I had to have this level of knowledge or understanding or expertise in this thing right Mm -hmm. and then I'm just like but at the end of the day how how like how long are you gonna sit and watch videos about how to do something before you Mm -hmm. you know and then it's a lot of people out here doing it and doing it terribly but right. <laughs> like right. yeah do it you know yeah. so um that's that's been my thing and I just I called him back and I was like you know what let's just go for it mm-hmm. what let's let's go I, I need a challenge you know this is and, and it's been so gratifying like the impact we've had you know the listeners um people who are really rocking with us we just wrapped up season one in september and so we're gearing up to come back with another season really soon so you know like it's it's working and you'll never know if it's going to work for you until you put in the work and do it you know so i'm, I'm that's that that's my thing just go for it you know take your time think about what it is you want to do where you want to go have a plan. But once that plan is established, even if all the pieces of the puzzle aren't there, mm. just start it. You know, a lot of what we need happens in the process. We always talk about, you know, getting beyond the process, but don't sleep on the process. The process for for a lot of us, the process is, you know, the end goal. Like the process, it, it is the goal. It is what you need and, and, and it will take you where you're trying to go. So just I love that. Yeah. Overcoming the obstacles during the process may be all you need. Once you get it built, the foundation established, it's on autopilot. Ooh, I love that. Thank you so much for dropping those keys on us today. Uh, we appreciate everything you're doing. We applaud you. Uh, I support and salute you um, today. And hopefully in the future we can partner because, man, I'm trying to, like you say, network and build. And uh, I know I can't deal with things by myself. Yeah. It's good to try to learn too, but that just takes away time and energy from uh, the main topic. So we appreciate you. Keep grinding. Stay strong like you are. Uh, any last words for my Kim folk? Nothing, but I appreciate you. You know, for for having me. Um, yeah. I'm I told you. You know, and when I did my research, I'm like, okay. We got some 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 heavy hitters on here. Let me make sure. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> so, thank you. You know, thank you for uh, inviting me and you know just allowing me to share. You know, a little bit of what what I've learned. You know, and what mm-hmm. I'm learning. And I appreciate this space that you created and this platform is so necessary. So, to you, 
my friend. Please keep going. Don't stop. Like my mentors have told me, keep going. Like, don't stop. You have an idea of how you can make it greater, how you can further your reach and and impact, go for it. Thank you so much. You don't know how much I need to hear that because it's definitely a struggle, but I appreciate those kind words, and you do the same. And uh, I appreciate everybody that tuned in, caught this episode. I know somebody was touched by it uh, and will be truly inspired. And uh, you never know who your words may reach. So we appreciate the Queen uh, for joining us today. Um, it's been another episode of Key to the City podcast. She is your multimedia queen, Ashley F.G. Norwood. That made me think of Fred G. Sanford when I say that. <laughs> you know what? She's a female. Go get her. Go get her. See that? I came up with that. Yeah, let me write that down. Female, <laughs> <laughs> go get her. But you got to spell go get her. G O G E T A G E T A G R. Got it. I- I'm with you. I got it. And uh, it's your kid, folks. Keone G. This is another episode. We'll see y'all next week. Peace, love, bless.